You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my friends. It is a pleasure and an honor to have you back here. My name is Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery, as I have been now for 31 months, and they have been 31 excellent months. They highs and lows, like we all know, the roller coasters, the ups, the downs, and it's been pretty, pretty fantastic as I wrap up the summer of 20. 19. Now, of course, until we get to the equinox in the middle of September, we're not going to fully end summer, but we've got about a month left. And as I look back, and this is actually the second time I've shot this show, I got about 10 minutes in this last one, it was just, it was a little bit off the rails. And so I decided to restart it. And some of the things I had been talking about there were that as my months have started to accumulate, certain ones get less and less. It's, I don't throw a make a big deal out of every single month. I know the 13th is my anniversary. I'm a big fan of celebrating numbers. I love numerology, uh, the power of numbers. You know, I love the idea that I quit drinking on a prime number day. Um, 31 months was is a prime number. And so there's certain months that mean a lot, you know, like for everyone, 1, 6, 9, 12, 18, 24, obviously going to be some big ones. Uh, I was a big fan of when the number 17 and 19 ran through. Here we are at 31. I'm really looking forward to 33 and 34 because uh, I'm just a power of three. So double threes is beautiful. And then Walter Payton, Chicago Bear running back, is uh, his number is 34. And then we're, you know, two months away from me hitting the three-year mark. And I look back over these three years, and if you've been a long-time listener, you know that I break my entire life. And in fact, I teach and speak and, and do workshops on how you can organize your life into three spheres, career, self-relationships. And this is done in order to make sure that you're paying attention to each one of your spheres and none of them begin to deflate. And that uh, I also discussed earlier this, this summer that my dad being an alcohol and drug abuse counselor for three decades, he was telling me that year one uh, in sobriety, people pay more attention to their physical uh, getting their physical body back in shape. Year two is their mental acumen, their mental sharpness. You, you, the fog starts to lift. You begin to really be able to, to function like you uh, were or would have had you not used it all. And then year three is when you really start to unwrap the emotional turmoil that has been inside of you all along and more than likely is, ex- is exactly why you turned to addictive substances to begin with. And so year three being emotional, and he says you can stay in this one for years, you know, we're physical and mental, you know, you, by now I've got a pretty good physical regiment going, uh, mental acuity, uh, you know, I'm loving to learn. Obviously I do this podcast. I have another podcast called College Success Habits that's geared towards positive habit creation for young adults. I just wrote a book for that podcast. It, it comes out in the fall. It's got a lot of growth mindset strategies in it, so it would work out perfectly for all of you as well. The sobriety version of that will be coming out in the next year. Uh, 2020 is the year for that book. And I say all this because uh, in year three, when you get into the emotional part, I mean, this can take, this could be a lifetime of unraveling this because this is really the more inside, the internal. And 
This year, as I've been unwrapping my emotions, I've putting a putting, been putting a lot of thought, not so much effort, not so much the effort, but a lot of thought into healing my emotional relationships with my longtime friends, with myself, with people. You know, if you've gone through the steps, once you've taken inventory of the things that, uh, once you've taken inventory of yourself, uh, once uh, uh, I have not done the steps, so I'm. Feeling like number three might be resentments, and then number four is making amends, I believe. And so, um, you know, once you go through the resentments, you really start to tap into a lot of that emotions. And I, what I do know about it is, for, I do, I have gone to meetings. I just have not gone to the steps. So I've not, I have gone to meetings. I have not gone through the steps. Thank you very much for finally speaking the words in the correct enunciation. <laughs> but I, one of my meetings the other day, uh, one of the attendees was saying that um, number four is making amends, and he said you do your resentments before that, so I'm assuming that's number three. If I'm wrong, feel free to DM me and let me know. That's not the point. The point is is that as I go through this emotional stuff, I realize that I'm holding in a lot of resentments towards myself and a lot of resentments towards others. Um, and I'm also holding in a lot of... Uh, holding back on a lot of forgiveness I need to be giving to other people and a lot of amends I need to be making as well. Because even if you don't think that you necessarily, quote-unquote, screwed someone's life up, uh, I certainly made a, a ass clown of myself at many a bachelor party and, and more than a few weddings. And so and that's just the tip of the iceberg on the assery tomfoolery that I would put my put myself into in, in the the shit that I had to come out the next day and make amends and apologize for. Goodness gracious, if I had a dollar for every time I had to apologize for my behavior, I'd be a millionaire. I bet you you can understand that. So as I begin to unwrap these emotions and really try to just figure out everything I just said, whether it's the resentments or the it's the amends or the forgiveness, it's coming at a great time. Um, there's been some friends that uh, I've made and some friends that I have lost over the this course of the sobriety. And uh, one friend in particular, uh, we had to take a step back from that friendship for um, who knows how long, an undetermined amount of time. And it's been giving me an opportunity to really begin to really start to unwrap a lot of things that were going on in my head that I wasn't I wasn't necessarily even aware were happening, right? I mean, isn't that how a lot of emotions are? You don't even really know they're happening. You just, you, you know, you feel something, but I mean, come on, if we were great at feeling emotions, <laughs> we probably wouldn't have found ourselves in the situations that we did when we did. Um, and so I've been working through a lot of with that. And so it's been a summer of coming to grips with my emotions and I'm not a huge fan of them and uh, I feel very deeply and I just have a way of internalizing them and in like putting them in a box and not not letting them come out and not not even trying to feel them fully inside myself and let alone heaven forbid show them to the outside world. And so the last two meetings I've had with my therapist have been about emotions and feelings. Isn't that just peachy keen? My least favorite topic to talk about, and she happens to make it the entire topic of the group meeting. And that leads us to discussing them. Um, we're only going to do one at a time. Um, so next week will be the um, having my feelings one. This is going to be emotional boil. 
And I'm going to type it up and put it in the show notes so that you can go back and read it over. And, and I, I, I apologies that I do not know the name of the book that it's in. I will find that out from her whenever I go to next Monday's meeting. Um, but so if you want, by chance, you want to be able to uh, go find this book. It's really powerful. And um, I'm really uh, impressed with the way that these little, not poems, but uh, these little things can really tap into everyone in the room. And it's a small meeting. It's only for people with over a year of sobriety so that we're, you know, we're in, we're in a different stage of that you know we're not we're not still in the sobriety part we're now all fully in the recovery part and so it's just interesting listening to other people who have multiple years and so this one's called emotional boil i'm gonna read it and then we're gonna break it down and then again it'll be in the show notes so feel free to check that out so emotional boil from august 12th today i will not jump over my wounds to forgive too soon It is necessary for me to live with my feelings as they are. When I deny deep pain and anger and push myself to forgive, I keep that pain and anger from ever being healed. I will go into my feelings as they are and give them all the space they need to mushroom, to have their moment, to live inside of me without my beating them to death. Whether or not my feelings are reasonable or good or nice, they are there. Denying them only keeps them alive in a turgid state. Today, I let my emotional infection boil up and then in its own time, drain and heal. The quote at the bottom reads, I let my feelings run their course. And a quote from E.H. Chapman says, Never does the human soul appear so strong as when it forgoes revenge and dares forgive an injury. Emotional boil, guys. So let's break this down a little bit because I've been doing a lot of teaching over the last um, four or five episodes with the four agreements. If you have checked those out, um, it's been some really great podcasts. I'm really happy with the way that they came out. Uh, I know we back in the day, you know, a couple weeks, about a month or two ago, we did open-mindedness, open-mindedness um, you know, how to go to events, and be sober. Um, obstacle thoughts was a little while ago. When it comes to emotions, this is one that I really think I'm going to start highlighting more in the show because of my imbalance with them in my own life. And when I read this to you guys, um, it, it wasn't just me reading it through my own eyes. It was also me seeing it through the eyes of people I held close to me in my 20s and 30s when my addiction was really doing a number on me. Um, I can look back and, well, here, let me read the first couple of sentences again. Let's break this down. Today, I will not jump over my wounds to forgive too soon. It is necessary for me to live with my feelings as they are. When I deny deep pain and anger and push myself to forgive, I keep that pain and anger from ever being healed. So today I will not jump over my wounds to forgive too soon. Um, this makes me think actually more about whenever I would do someone wrong and I would go to ask their forgiveness or apologize. I really, I, I felt like I would badger them, like, please forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me, I'm so sorry, so sorry. Did this to my girlfriends in college a lot. 
you know, I'm so sorry I said that. I'm so sorry I acted that way. I'm so sorry I embarrassed you like that. I'm so, you know, this is, you know, back whenever I was, you know, that version of myself. And so I see it from their point of view. And then, I, of course, I also see it from mine. And then I think about when people have wounded me, um, forgiving them and be like, yeah, you know, that's fine. And a lot of the times the reason I would do that was because I would look at my own actions and think, well, I've done way worse and I've asked for forgiveness and people have given it to me. So I should definitely just give it to them. And the problem I have with this is that when you do that, you it's it's almost like you belittle the the wound that they just committed towards you just because you had wounded other people too. Right? Just because you have wounded other people and had to ask forgiveness does not mean that you are just allowed, other people are allowed to wound you anytime the hell they want to, and you should just naturally forgive them because you've done just as bad or worse. Right? Especially now that we're in sobriety and recovery, we're running a different life. We're looking at ourselves differently. We're being different. So, therefore, we have to start responding differently. And notice I didn't say react. React comes from an emotional trigger. If I say that your outfit looks stupid or I call you a dumb bitch and you immediately snap and you, it, that's a reaction that comes from an emotional trigger. You don't want to come from an emotional trigger because then you're not using thoughtfulness and awareness of your own words and actions and how you're communicating back. You want to respond. If that means walking out of the room for 20 seconds or 20 minutes or two hours or 20 days, whatever it takes for you to gather a non-emotional reaction back, right? So non-emotional response, then you need to do that. So whenever I talk about not jumping over wounds to forgive too soon, this is one of those times where if someone says something hurtful to you, that you can stop, you can take a step back. You can stop, think, evaluate, and then move. Stop, think about what they just said. Evaluate the different kinds of responses. Do you want to react or do you want to respond? Reaction being an emotionally triggered space that means that you're not in control of your actions or words. Right? That doesn't mean that you get to, you're, oh, well, I wasn't in control, you know, and that's what Jesse said, so everything's good. I can be a dick. No, that is not what that means. You are in control. You just choose not to be in control. You're always in control. But when you react, you, 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 it's like you take the governor off the go-kart. And now all of a sudden you can go 70 miles an hour when it's really only safe to drive at 30. So think about that. Stop, think, evaluate, and then move. It is necessary for me to live with my feelings as they are. Yes. If you feel wounded, if you feel hurt, again, it's your choice to feel hurt. If I say your, your shoes look stupid, it's your choice to feel hurt by that or to laugh it off or to think, what do I know? I wear stupid shoes too. It's your choice to feel hurt, right? If that, whatever the feelings you have, it's necessary for you to live with them and embrace them. Because if you try to push them to the side and act like they don't exist and they're not there, then they're what they really are is just that kid sitting next to you in the car with the finger around your face going, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. And all you want to do is lean over and throw the kid out the window. Do not throw kids out the window. Jesse did not say that you're allowed to do that. Do I have to use disclaimers like that? I don't know. I went ahead and said it anyways. <laughs> but the point being is it's necessary for you to live with your feelings as they are, right? Now, once you've embraced it, then you can go about doing whatever healing and growth that you need to around that feeling. 
When I deny deep pain and anger and push myself to forgive, I keep that pain and anger from ever being healed. Once again, finger in your face. I'm not touching you. I'm not making you feel. This is real stuff here, guys. When you deny the deep pain and anger and you push to yourself to forgive, you're really just pushing it down. I speak from experience. I am a huge fan of pushing things down. Then you keep that pain and anger from ever being healed because you haven't fully embraced it. You haven't said, well, hello, anger. How are you today? Let's have a conversation for why you're here. Why am I feeling this anger? What is this anger here to show me? What is this anger here to teach me? What good comes from embracing this anger? What good comes from keeping this anger on the inside so it can fester up and simmer into a boil? What good things would happen if I released this anger? But if you push it down and don't ask yourself those questions, then you don't give it a chance to be healed. The next sentence reads, I will go into my feelings as they are and and give them all the space they need to mushroom, to have their moment, to live inside of me without me beating them to death. So, Again, if you, when, you, when you deny the deep pain and anger and you push itself down, right, instead of embracing it, instead of, instead of acknowledging it, then you keep yourself from healing. When you go into that feeling of anger, of sadness, of regret, shame, remorse, whatever negative emotion you're feeling now or have felt in the past or will feel in the future, you will feel feelings. That's just the fact. Google it. So... When you go into the feelings as they are and give them all the space they need to mushroom. Now, when you think about anger and you think, okay, if I give it the space to mushroom, I'm going to lash out. I'm going to want to beat someone up. I'm going to say something mean. I'm going to break and smash and go hulk on the whole damn place. Again, you're in control of what it means to let things mushroom. If you think screaming at the top of your lungs at someone in their face is going to somehow make the situation better, I can assure you, one, you're wrong. Two, you might get hit. And three, you're wrong. (laughs) You're just wrong. Screaming at the top of your lungs at somebody does not get you anywhere. Letting it mushroom to me, to letting letting it have its moment to live inside me without me beating it to death, just simply means like feeling it. I can feel extreme anger and not need to go break something. If you do, if you're one of those people that when you feel angry, you punch walls, you break things, you need to figure that out. And that is definitely something I would need to bring somebody on this show to discuss because I don't have a whole lot of experience talking somebody down from punching a wall. I don't really remember the last time I saw that happen. Mm, Wait, the moment I started saying that, this dude named Kevin, we were roommates back at UF. He definitely punched a wall. That was definitely uncool. I think he may have broken his arm doing that. Um, so you allow it. Now, when it says without my beating them to death, the thing is, is like if you're going to embrace the anger, or the sadness, and you're going to discuss it to with yourself, you're going to dis- you're going to discuss it with the person who brought you to a state of anger. And again, you bring your own self to your states of emotions. But someone goes up to you and says you're a stupid ass, and that if that brings you to anger, they did say something to instigate you. It's best to have that conversation with them. Because then you don't beat it to death. Then you don't sit there and think that you've gotten over the anger. But yet every time you think of that person or you think of that situation, your blood begins to boil again. So you don't want to be beating emotions to death. You want to acknowledge it, embrace it, work through it, and let it, and then 
swoosh it away. Say, thank you, anger. Thank you for teaching me what you needed to teach me. It was a pleasure. Please have a good day. The next sentence, whether or not my feelings are reasonable or good or nice, they are there. Exactly, guys. Look, feelings are feelings. You you know, we have like a million thoughts a day, and with every thought comes a, a feeling. If you think about your shoelaces on your shoes, you think, well, there's no feelings around that. Well, I mean, you, if you like them, right? Even if you're just okay with them, if you think, yeah, okay, well, there's, it's a feeling of contentment. So, you know, we have thousands of thoughts a day. And therefore, we're going to have thousands of feelings as well. Whether they're good or nice or reasonable, whatever, they are there. They are what they are, right? You're human. You're going to have nice thoughts and bad thoughts. You're going to have you be mean in your head to somebody, and uh, you're going to be nice to, in your head to somebody. One of my gigs is working at a, at a bar as a server and a waiter. And what I love about that is how much it it test my patience, how many different kinds of people I get to meet um, because it's an international based hotel. It's got, it's got some, uh, it's got a lot of je ne sais quoi. That's the right use of the word. I don't know. It's famous. And because it's famous, uh, we get people from all around the world and I might, you know, meet 15 different accents in a day and they will test my patience because mostly just of communication barriers, right? It's, it's not, it's no one's fault that they don't speak perfect English any more than it's my fault that I don't speak their language. Whatever. It's cool. You travel, man. Do whatever you want to do. We'll make this work. We'll figure it out. Just sometimes I'm a little bit busier and it's a little bit more trying. And so it's not good or bad. It's just it is what it is. And it's in that moment where I get to breathe deep, stop, think, evaluate, and move. Stop. Think, you know what? This person's just hungry. I want to help them take care of that situation. They're from France. I am not. They speak French. I do not. I speak English. They don't really. Let's evaluate how we can do this. I do a lot of Pictionary and miming. (laughs) I mime a lot of things. And uh, we make it work. And then we move. And then now they're eating and they're happy. So I say that because feelings are feelings. And you're going to have good, bad, reasonable, unreasonable. Just embrace them and deep breath it, stop, think, evaluate, and move. If you did not, next sentence, denying them only keeps them alive in a turgid state. I don't know what turgid means. Turgid sounds like it means something about like uh, unbalanced or uh, volatile, maybe, maybe volatile. Let's see what it says. Swollen and distinted or congested. Uh, it's turgid and fast-moving river. Huh, I don't know, some turgid... Uh, let's see, def- let's go to Merriam-Webster real quick and let's see what it says about it there. Excessively embellished in a style or language, being in a state of distension. Yeah, I don't think that this author should have used that word. Um, synonyms for it are bloated, blown, overinflated, puffed, swollen. Okay, swollen, tumid, varicose. What the hell? Okay, whoever wrote this, that turgid is not a good word. Let's disagree. So um, bombastic, pompous, um, swollen. So if you deny them, you only keep them alive. And let's just, yeah, let's just say in, in rage. No, that's, that's, that's a bad word. If, you know, what did I say? Uh, very volatile. If you keep them, if you're denying them, keeps them alive and in a turgid state, it would, I would go with some, like, if one of its definitions is swollen, then I would say just, you know, overblown, bigger than it needs to be, okay? So denying them only keeps them alive and in a bigger-than-they-need-to-be kind of state. Um, and that's true. 
when you deny your emotions, that allows them to stay alive. And again, just because you don't always notice the little kid with the finger going, I'm not making you feel, doesn't mean that you're still not feeling. Trust me. There are some times where I get rageful and I'm like, why am I so angry right now? This makes no sense. Or why am I so sad or whatever? It's because what's happening is that feelings I had pushed down and tried to compartmentalize earlier are now being touched upon again. And because I didn't do the proper healing of them then, it's like it just it grows. Right? Like it's like if you allowed your sink in your kitchen to overflow and water accumulated on the floor and you never dried it up. And then later on that day the sink overflowed again. Well, had you just dealt with the water that had overflown to begin with, then this time when it overflowed, it would be it would be less of a mess because there wouldn't be any water already there. But because you haven't cleaned it up, now all of a sudden it just becomes a bigger mess. And I think that's how emotions and trying to box them up or push them down or compartmentalize. I really think that's how it works. That when you do that, then the next time you feel sadness or anger or shame, it just get, ends up getting spilled on top of that sadness, anger, and shame that you'd already boxed down. And before you know it, you've got a you've got a column of boxes, seventy five foot tall of anger, sitting next to seventy five foot tall boxes of sadness, sitting next to seventy five foot tall boxes of grief. And all the other ones, right? And now you've just basically, now people wonder what walls are built up. This is what the walls, if you think you live behind a wall, if you're protecting your emotions and your heart behind a wall so that somebody can't get to know you and love you and care for you and those closest to you think that you are distant, this is what your wall is being built of. Grief and shame and sadness and anger. Next sentence, today I let my emotional infection boil up and then in its own time drain and heal. Yeah, the author really, really shit the bed out the ending of this one. I'm I'm just going to use profanity. Denying them only keeps them alive in a turgid state. Okay, we're not a fan of turgid. We decided to go with swollen or bigger than it needs to be. And then now we're at today I let my emotional infection boil up and then in its own time drain and heal. I get that's why they called it an emotional boil. I don't know if I need the vivid imagery of a boil on a skin basically being a gigantic pimple and that doing its whole thing. I don't need that. I'm sorry I just gave that to you. Um, But so do that. Today, let this emotional um, infection we're gonna have sorry, I'm just gonna have to use his words because I just don't know how else to do any kind of imagery with it right now. Let this emotional infection boil up. Let let it, you know, I guess we could just use like a pot of water. Let this emotional badness boil and then in its own time let it just drain and heal. Okay, I'm I'm trying to change it for you guys because I just don't like the way the sentence sounds, but I'm just rambling at this point. So let's just finish it the way that it is. Let the emotional infection boil up. All right? Let it drain and heal on its own. If you feel anger and sadness, right? You, just because the person, you know, your your loved one comes home at two in the morning smelling, well, I guess we're, we're no, just because we're sober doesn't mean they're not, right? So they come home and they stink of booze or they stink of somebody else's perfume and you're fucking angry and you want to burn it all down, right? And now you're asking yourself, okay, you know, they're begging for forgiveness and then they're like, please just say you forgive me, please, 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 please. You can say they're forgiven right then and there, but you know they're not. You know they're not. So just tell that person, you know what? No. 
This is going to take some time for me to think about, for me to process, for me to understand why on earth you would behave that way. And then I'm going to have to decide whether I'm going to stick around for this. It's my choice. You act however you're going to act. You say whatever you're going to say. It is now my choice to determine if I can live with it, if I can be around it, if I can tolerate it. I get to choose. You get to choose, guys. So whatever ends up happening, you don't have to forgive right away. Because if you say, okay, it's all forgiven, right? Oh, I'm so sorry. I was 20 minutes late to the lunch meeting. You're always 20 minutes late to the lunch meeting. I know, but traffic's always a bitch. I'm always on time, right? And so, you, oh, all's forgiven. No, it's not. Next time they call you and ask you for a lunch date, you're going to probably think whether you actually want to show up or not. You're probably going to think, okay, you know what? I'm going to tell you to be there at 1 o'clock because I know you're always 30 minutes late. So then when I show up at 1.30, you'll just be showing up. And now you start playing these mental gymnastics trying to make this shit work. And let's face it, that's not going to happen. It's not going to work out. Tell them that you're upset. Tell them that you feel like they're disrespecting your time, your energy, your effort to make these meetings, to make this luncheon, and, and have that conversation. And if they're not the kind of person who wants to have that kind of conversation, you're in sobriety and recovery. You make the decision if that's the kind of behavior you're willing to tolerate around you. If they're a loved one and you know, you're like, Jesse, it's not easy. I can't just cut my mom off and never talk to her again. You can certainly tell her, look, we're not going to meet for lunch anymore if you can't be on time. I'm sorry. It's just, uh, you know, I got a lot going on, whatever it is, right? But, you know, I feel I feel hurt. I feel disrespected. Well, you used to do this when you drank. Okay, well, you know what? That's That was then, and this is now. If there's something specific you would like me to discuss and to talk with you about, about my behavior in the past, I am more than willing to have that conversation. But right now, we are discussing how you consistently show up 20 minutes late to our luncheons, and I would like to stay on this until it is resolved. That's how I would respond to that. Because continuously being like, I can show up 20 minutes late because you used to come home stinking of booze and you made a mess of the kitchen every night and I dealt with that shit for five years until you got sobered up and I didn't ever kick you out. Okay, you made that choice then. If you're going to keep holding it over me for the rest of my days, this isn't going to be a healthy relationship. And then anytime you do something that hurts me or offends me, I'm not going to be able to say anything about it because of your actions then, which you chose... That's not going to be healthy. I let my feelings run their course is the, was the one of the quotes uh, before this thing ended. And remember uh, the quote E.C.E.H. Chapman said, never does the human soul appear so strong as when, it for, as when it forgoes revenge and dares forgive an injury. Just remember, guys, even though we are talking about forgiving in time and spacing it out, that the forgiveness is for you. The forgiveness is for you. We're going to be talking a lot about feelings and forgiveness over the next few weeks because I have a feeling this is uh, this is really uh, this has been touching a lot of nerves in me. I know that it's been touching a lot of nerves in uh, the people in my meetings. I'll be bringing it to you, but just remember, forgiveness is for you. It's not for them. Holding on to anger and resentment to somebody who did you wrong a while ago, it is not healthy. It is poison. You drink hoping to hurt them, and that doesn't work. I love you all. Please, please feel your feelings. Let them run their course in their own time. Do not try to accelerate it. It causes you to 
box them up, and then you build 75-foot-tall walls of grief, sadness, shame, and guilt. I love you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with me for the last half an hour. As always, if you have not already subscribed, rated, or reviewed, uh, especially in Instagram, I'm sorry, in iTunes, uh, my college success habits, I'm getting tons of love in iTunes. Most people have been listening to this in Spotify. If you're a Spotify listener, thank you so much. Uh, if by chance, though, you have an opportunity to jump over to iTunes and just throw me some stars, type in a quick review, it really matters. Uh, I finally broke the top 250 last week, which is something I've been striving for a lot. Um, and it's because people have been going over and reviewing, and that, that gets a lot of love in iTunes. And I just want people to find the show. If you think this is a show worth people finding, then please jump over to iTunes and just um, just subscribe, rate, review, whatever it is you can do. I would really appreciate that. All right, that's my little sales pitch. Please love me. Love me. Say that you love me. Um, As always, everybody, treat each other with kindness. Be inclusive, not exclusive. The power of positive energy. Release it and your life will flow. Until we meet again, take care. Bye-bye. 